podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. How do we go live here? All right, we're live. Yeah, great, brilliant stuff. Uh, this is fantastic. Good evening and welcome along to the Day Trippers. Um, no Andy tonight. There's no Gav tonight. There's no Grizz tonight. There's no um, Keith tonight. There's no Gav tonight. So basically, you have a whole new set of crew in front of you. Um, you might remember some of us. You might not know any of us. Uh, you mightn't really care. So that's great. Um, in the meantime, up in the top uh, right-hand box is Ray Dicko Dickinson, our resident uh, Mersey Cider. How are you, Ray? Evening, good fill right. yourself. I'm not too bad. Below me, then, is of course, is Ragnar Clavin, um, hot off the international duty and, and straight away back from Slovakia. How are we getting on, Ragnar? <laughs> all good, Phil, all good. Excellent stuff. And then down in the bottom box beneath Ray is um, a man who's lost. It is our, our, our first wow. time ever having a new, uh, having an Arsenal fan on the pod. It is, of course, a good friend of mine. It is Dave Fitzpatrick. And uh, Dave, thanks for coming in. Pleasure, lads. How's it going? All good, all good. Right, listen. Um, before we get on tonight, I suppose it's uh, it, it's worth saying a good a good evening to all the people out there. We want mm. you guys. We've got four topics lined up tonight, and that's the format of, of the forum. And I want you guys to come up with a topic um, that we might deem worthy of discussing when we get to the end of the show. There's been a lot going on this evening. Uh, I hear Mini Raiola has announced that Paul Pogba is leaving United for the fifth time, which is impressive. Um, <laughs> there's a football match currently underway, and David Cunt is making an arse of it as usual. Sorry, David Coote is making an arse of it as usual on um, the, the the video system yeah. referee stuff. Um, it's, finished and it, here, it's finished, is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, and then after that, we've got um there's, there's there's loads of other stuff the FAI tried to sneak out their annual accounts over here in Ireland what just after the the draw was made for the World Cup which is yeah, a classic yeah. FAI move five, yeah. five million loss um the way it goes anyway look tonight on the on the forum I was going to give it give it the old shout the Monday Club uh, tonight on the forum um we are going to talk about mainly fan related things um and it's definitely it's, it's been it's been definitely interesting from from Shane Davin's side because he's he's covered a, a rasp of a topic and i know big uh, ray Wilk- dickinson who Wilkinson, big ray dickinson there <laughs> ray Wilkins. Ray Wilkins. <laughs> <laughs> up there in the corner um is of course is a season ticket holder in Anfield um, didn't get over to the guy wasn't lucky enough to go under 2000 at the ground this week so uh, we he, he has a nice little topic lined up about fans being back in the stadiums i know Dave, from your from your Arsenal point of view, you lads had a few fans back in the stadium for the Europa League match during the week as well. Um, and 
I want to talk about the virus that is Harry Kane, uh, or Kanid 20, as they're going to be known as. And then lastly, and not leastly, we're going to get into the relegation dogfight. And that's why we have Dave on the show, because he's definitely getting worried now about Arsenal's situation. <laughs> it's a proud moment. <laughs> In terms of what it's there. So um, I hope, as I said to you, all I want from, from, from the lads out there is, is come up with a decent topic and we'll definitely pick it up and we will take it on and see what it is. Mash the likes buttons, mash the subscribe buttons, mash all those buttons that you can. I'm going to mash a few buttons here just to annoy Gav. So there's just one button there I mashed and then I don't know how to get everyone back. There we go. There's everyone back. See, I know how to use the technology. It's great. Uh, it was a day when I used to know how to do all this. Okay, look, first topic up tonight. Um, do we have anyone sponsoring us or is that just a manscaped on the Fatback 4? That's just the Fatback 4. There's no, there's no specials or any discounts there. Dave, do you want to plug anything while we're here? No. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Shane, have you anything to plug? No, no, just sharing the uh, the tweet that Gav sent just to keep in his good books now here at the minute. That's all, Phil. Go, go, excellent go. Right now, let's rock and roll onto our first topic. And the first topic of the night, of course, is what type of fan are you? Um, and it's not just what type of fan are you? Are you Moni Bollocks on Twitter and are you a normal person in real life? Are you a Moni Bollocks in real life and a Moni Bollocks on Twitter? Are you a fun fan in real life and not a fun fan on Twitter? That type of stuff. But Shane, talk us through your topic. What exactly is the thought process here that you want to go around with? Yeah, look, I, I, te- I texted you uh, yesterday. I didn't really know if it was a week topic or anything like that, but I thought it might be something to get uh, comments going in the uh, in the chat. Just basically what kind of fan you when you're sitting down looking at the game as pertaining to at home and if you're lucky enough to go to Anfield. Are you, are you one of them that kind of, do you get nervous? Uh, are you always confident, always optimistic? Are you glass half full merchant, glass half empty? Do you roar and shout the telly? Have you any superstitions? I suppose with me, it's, look, obviously the people will know, like with everybody here, there's WhatsApp groups for everything. We have our own WhatsApp group. I think everyone generally knows what kind of stick everyone is in it. Uh, I would certainly be fairly reactionary, trying to wind people up sometimes, but I would generally be, I would, I would generally be pessimistic enough. I don't know whether that's come from years of following us where we weren't very good. Uh, where wherever I was confident in winning games, we we uh, we wouldn't win. We drop, we'd lose silly games at home to poor sides. I, I, uh, and whether I'm afraid now, even though I, I I shouldn't really be because how good this side is, I would generally dick out all was now predictions. I'd probably generally my, my most common one is probably a two-one win. I'd, I'd never really go to. Uh, too far any other ways, uh, but and and then Jordan the game at home. It's kind of kind of changed. I used to be a lot worse. I used to be roaring at the telly, just absolutely mental. I've calmed down a little bit now, but for some reason, it was it was because of the Ajax game the other night. It, it, it got the top. It got me thinking because I was I was very on edge for that game. I wanted it done. I wanted it done and dusted. I didn't want any more going to the. I didn't want to go to the last game. It annoyed me to all the Atalanta talk about it being a free hit. I wanted it done and dusted that night so you could put out the kids for the last two games. And I was very agitated, animated watching that game. Thankfully, um, we've done enough to get over the line. But I just, yeah, I just wanted, I, just, I was just curious as to what way you, you lads are. Uh, and obviously people in the in the comments about what way they kind of look at games, whether they've superstitions and stuff like that. I have two dogs here. If Liverpool got one down, the dogs are gone out the back. Simple as that. <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to say there for a second. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if 
if they're out the back and we can see that come on my game voice first, oh, I'm mad. Like I'm 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 proper mad when it comes to things like that. But I just wanted to see basically what way you you lads did it when you were looking at games and stuff like that. So and and then what what people thought in the comments as well. Ray, as as a match going red and also mm. as a a, a lost red over the far side of the RSC. What what the hell? You you obviously have two ways of going to the game. So you come on. What's 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 your take on the in house against the um, stadium version of Ray Dickinson? Um, look, I I, I I still am. I can be very pessimistic before games because it's actually you know even though we're on this ridiculous uh, unbeaten home record. Um, and we are a team of, of of a generation that we've been looking for for so many years. It's hard to still completely forget about you know seasons gone past when when it was a, a challenge to beat teams like West Brom or even Wolves last night or you know so like those kind of scars still run fairly deep. And I I know it's a stupid thing to say, but yeah, I do still get incredibly nervous i'm actually these days i'm quite confident against the better teams you know um i'm quite confident against um you know serving it up to the cities and dare i say it the arsenals um and 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 even spares in in what just over a week's time I'm, i'm i'm supremely confident that we can beat those um those teams but I still have a bit of a. It's illogical now when you think about how we dispatch about a lot of these teams. But I still get quite nervous, particularly away from home. Um, you know, the Brighton game, for example. I was convinced that we would drop points in that game. Now, as it turned out, we did. We we, we probably shouldn't have. It's just the way it, it ended up. But um, I'm still very sort of yeah, very sort of negative, I suppose, about these kind of lower half teams away from home. You know, if we were playing Burnley next week away, I'd be I'd be saying, ah, oh, it's going to be tricky this, do you know what I mean? Like, and maybe I'm doing that just to ease the disappointment if we do um, drop points. But um, at, at this day, at this stage, we should, we should probably reset ourselves and just go into every game supremely confident because there's plenty of, there's plenty of, lads in our group now in our whatsapp group who are supremely confident pretty much every week <laughs> but ray what type of viewer are you what type of fan are you, are you going to scream at the television are you going to like not anymore gonna... no i used to i used to be i used to be very irrational and i used to jump around and scream and shout and um you know celebrate every goal like i was in the stadium the, the thing the thing that has stopped me doing it these days is because um, a lot of the times, just because of the way things are now, you're watching a lot of games, dare I say, on streams. And I feel actually quite stupid um, jumping up and down and shouting and swearing when the goal was scored three minutes ago. (laughs) 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 It's just a psychological thing, do you know? Um, I do tend to, I'm definitely more animated when I'm in the stadium. I'm definitely more in tune with what's going on when I'm in the stadium. And um, so it it has been a big miss. 
um, not being able to go to a game now for for coming on for a year, you know. So, yeah, I've, cal- I've calmed down massively. My wife will tell you, you know, my wife will tell you the same. Like, oh, I'm a lot calmer. Um, I'm, I'm maybe I'm conscious about having kids around the house as well now and setting and setting more of an example, should we say? Mm. Davy Fitz, as an Arsenal fan, like you've you've yeah. like had had many years of success and joy, unbridled joy when Arsenal there and now you're into like the a long dark spell of like basically an elongated version of the Hodgson years that we went under for six months um but like we didn't win anything for a long time as well so like uh, for you what type of fan have you become or what type of fan has it really changed that much or how do you view the games when you're watching from I'm always ultra pessimistic I, I think as football fans we tend to be we tend to be kind of pessimistic it's 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 that kind of I suppose the age-old you win a match, you forget about it very quickly. But if you lose a match, it kind of it sits with you for days. Do you know what I mean? And you, you can't recover, regardless. You know, like we've won FA Cups recently, and I I, I try and convince myself I'm going to live in it, I'm going to enjoy it, and immerse myself in it. But we win, and I I move on very quickly. Whereas the losses, like they're they're just they're soul crushing a lot of the time. Do you know what I mean? And especially you guys probably feel it more at the moment. Whereas I'm kind of indifferent about losses at the moment because there's so many. You guys can probably pick out those two or three losses over the last two or three seasons that really hurt. And that's the way we all tend to be. I, I would be ultra pessimistic though. I can never see where the next win is coming from. So what I tried to do was kind of surround myself by some kind of very positive, very knowledgeable Arsenal fans on Twitter. And I try and, I try and kind of talk to them and speak with them and they can kind of, they can talk me off the ledge per se. But at the moment, unfortunately, it's like everything you say and everything you foresee. Like I was going into the Tottenham game, and again, you guys probably aren't where I am at the moment. But like, it's the hope that kills you. You're kind of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, what if Spurs are really poor, and then what if Arsenal happen to put together a good performance and happen to get lucky, or, or they they get an early red card, we we might squeeze something out of this. And very quickly, you start to realize, oh, fuck, like Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. like the game, the game. I don't know if you guys watched the Arsenal game, but this is the experience for me. So I'm nervous. I start the game. My, my wife's an angel. She takes the kids into the front room or she takes them out for a walk and she's, we're learning to live with my, uh, <laughs> my hostility sometimes. But like they, they kicked off, right? And I don't know, did you guys watch the game, the Arsenal game by any chance on, on yeah. Sunday? Lacazette, the ball was passed to Lacazette and he stood in it on the halfway line until somebody came and lamped him and he kicked it straight out of play from the first minute, from the first second, like, and at that point then I was thinking, right, just be calm, just be calm, just be calm. And then you see that and you're like, right, you're, you're in a dark place already. Do you know what I mean? And then you're just thinking, well, look, at least don't get picked off here. Just don't get picked off. Don't play into Jose's hands and don't do this to yourself. And then lo and behold, 20 minutes in, you're gone. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's that type of frustration. Like every, every fear we, we have at the moment happens. We foresee. Like Jesus, when, when Vardy came on the other night against Arsenal, like the world and its mother was saying, now just don't get caught on the counter. Don't isolate Vardy. Don't leave him one-on-one. Just don't let him score. And of course, he had 10 minutes. He got the goal as well. But I suppose as as a fan in general, I'm, I'm nervous. I spend all week, like I spend all week giddy looking forward to matches. And then I, I tend to either put it on mute, go out the back garden for a quick walk around, popping my head in every now and then. So I actually, I find it very hard to immerse myself in the game. And even like we could be three nil up with two minutes to go, and I'd still be worried, you know. And I, I can't, I can't seem to shake it. Um, and I suppose that's kind of what I suppose what supporting Arsenal <laughs> will do to you at the moment as well. You guys probably don't live with that with that sense of anxiety, or with a little bit more reassurance than I certainly do at the moment, anyway. 
Yeah, I think well, the other, I think the other thing as well, Phil, is probably affects all <laughs> fans at the moment. You've got to second guess some of these goals with VAR as well, haven't you? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that's that that plays on your mind. I mean, I wasn't. Yeah, I thought them goals the other night, Ray, were probably one of the first ones where you could kind of tell in plain sight that they were fine. Yeah, do you, know, do you know what I mean? Like it was no, mm. it wasn't like the the man a header against Brighton, right? And it was one of the first games I can kind of remember Liverpool getting a few goals where you kind of knew straight away they were okay. Mm. Yeah, I think I think fans will learn to temper it though. I think fans, I think the match going fan as well will learn to kind of just hold their breath, and you may lose a sense of that, you know, kind of the 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 celebration. Mm. Who who was it? Who was it? I saw the other week, and I was actually surprised. Was it Scotland? Was it the penalty shootout? Scotland were in. Yeah, Um, the goalkeeper, the qualification. The keeper Mm. stopped. The keeper saved the penalty Mm. and just stood up. And I said to myself. I thought they'd won it. If he saved us, I thought he'd won it. And he'd actually, he'd stopped and waited for the okay from the ref. And then he celebrated. And mm. I was like, geez, I hadn't seen that. So you can see they're kind of, they're, the players are almost starting to condition themselves as well. And it's, I suppose it's different in an empty stadium. The, the celebration is kind of, it's kind of falling away at the moment. You don't, you don't really, you're starting to see it come back as the fans come in, but you start to see goals go in and, you know, players just kind of sauntering back and you're, you're wondering is that half a sense of what well, is VAR giving this or is it just because there's no no fans there anymore like for me like I, I, I'll be honest with you I've changed my whole view and experience when it comes to football matches like I, I, I struggle to watch the game live anymore um, I'm just Shane a bit, a bit of yours it's not even about losing anymore it's just not living up to the expectations I expect to see on the pitch right and I what I struggle with is not enjoying a game no matter how good we're playing, no matter what we're doing, I really struggle to enjoy the game because I'm always waiting for the mistake or the error that's just going to ruin the 90 minutes that you've been sitting there in front of you or the 50 minutes or the 40 minutes or whatever it is. You're just waiting for an inevitable mistake. It's like the Brighton one. Like you're sitting there for like 93-odd minutes and you've got decisions going against you. You've had goals disallowed and you're just waiting for it. Like It's just the inevitable sort of crescendo of a wave of shit about to fl- slash against the floor and you're just there going... I don't. I don't need to see this. I don't want to do this. So enough. I've done. Suddenly, I've I've changed it around, and it, it sort of came out. Of, I had to miss. I think it was one of the games last year. I was going to a cousin's wedding, um, and uh, when it, it turned out that I, I just couldn't see the game, so I didn't watch it. Um, didn't even check the scores. Said right, I'm going to take myself away from the match completely, and then go back and watch the game once I knew the result. And I swear to God, I, I said I think on the on the on was I was on Grizz's show about two weeks ago. Uh, I said it's changed the way I've watched games. To know the result and sit there and watch a match removes an awful lot of the anger that you can find yourself in the middle of a game, right? It removes, you can still, <laughs> you, you know if a goal is going to be disallowed because of VAR, right? So you can, you strip that far layer away from it as well, right? You know when it's a genuine goal you can, you, and you get that, and you still get that buzz because you haven't seen it. So you just, you see, you see the goal. It's like when Genie cracks up with that, that, ball, that goal into the top corner at the weekend. It's like, I didn't have to worry about far. I knew that was a goal, and it's like I can then celebrate and get let the elation out and, and the whole lot that goes. But I think I think there's something in it, right? I think VAR has changed the viewing experience, and I'm not and like I'm, I'm not you, uh, y'all know I'm not an anti-VAR when it comes to this. I think it's actually got great possibilities. I think the technology is right. I think it's the right way to go with it. But for me, I just 
for me, I find it easier to remove the emotions from watching the game. And that, that sort of is anti-football in a way, because if, when I go to the game, you want to be caught up in the emotions. You want to feel the passion. You don't want to know what the result is going to be. The idea of being in a, in a, in a stadium with 60,000 fans means that you can, for that small piece of expectation, influence the result just by good support, bad support, and different support to what's going on. Funnily enough, Phil, that you mentioned that about going to the game, I actually find when I've gone, been lucky enough to get over maybe twice a season for the last while or whatever through some very nice people like Ray, and I find when I'm when I'm in the ground, I'm nowhere near as nervous as when I'm sitting. Yeah. My, oh, maybe maybe it's because it's the the build up that I only get there two or three times a year, and you you want to make the most of it and stuff like that. And being at home watching the game is the most uh, general place that you will watch a game because that's just geographically where we are. Um, I I often find that I, I'm absolutely nowhere near as nervous when I'm when I'm when I'm in Anfield watching the game. Um. So I don't listen. I don't have a reason for that. I'm just surmising. Maybe like I'll be similar to Ray. I've I've calmed down an awful lot. Um, I explained why the Ajax game had me agitated, but just on the very thing, the last two probably big goals, the United game at home that we won last year when there was fans in the crowd. I was in the pub for that, and we got a couple of disallowed goals and that, and I was off the chair along with the pub wrecking the place. Now the VAR pulled them goals back and that, and you just sat back down, but I didn't. I didn't find it took away anything. Obviously, you would have wanted the goals to stand and win the game a lot more comfortably. And similar to the Maryside Derby this year, watching it here with me brother and godson, and we're up wrecking the place again. Right, the goal gets taken away, but it didn't. It didn't kind of make me stop. Should I say in, in the in the bigger games with more on them? It didn't. It didn't make me stop and think is that going to be disallowed? Maybe in other games where like the Wolves game there or the Brighton game, you might think. Because the games are just kind of plodding along, there there isn't doesn't seem as much on them. You might hesitate to celebrate, but just for me anyway. With the the bigger the game, it has hasn't stopped me fucking going bananas anyway. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. The one place that, the one, you you just mentioned it there, uh, Davo, the one place that really gets me nervous every year is when we go to Old Trafford. Because I hate playing them and I I hate that whole... It's just something about going to Old Trafford that gets my nerves going massively. And I remember, you know, down the years where we've been, I suppose, in a similar place to where Arsenal find themselves now, mm. you know, when we've been kind of struggling, trying to scratch out results, trying to get some kind of win that maybe gives us a catalyst for the rest of the season or gives us an extra push or whatever you know remembering those seasons where we've gone there and we've you know we've won 4-1 or the seasons where we've lost 4-0 like those 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 games for me stick out massively going to Old Trafford that's the place that and we probably all have one team every every fan probably has one team which gets them more nervous than most and that's that's the game the game of the season for me when we go to Old Trafford but this is what I'm sort of like for me, and that's where I, I I just struggle to find the same emotion and passion about a match 
away from the stadium. So nothing comes close to it. I'll be straight with you. Yeah. Nothing comes, comes close to being in the stadium while the game is going on. You can't match the sense of tension because even when you're watching on a television screen, there's a delay of like one or two seconds in terms of what you're watching. When mm. you're in the ground, it's happening. You don't have somebody commentating the match at you. You're just sitting there watching the game. Well, apart from if you're sitting near race seats, you've got your man who's always screaming and, and commentating yeah. in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, right? All right, you do have him. But you, you don't have the same sort of setup you have with the television when you're sitting at home watching the game, right? So, there's no replays. There's no nothing. You're just you're living yeah. in the moment mm. constantly mm. in the game. Mm. Whereas when you're watching the game, be it in the pub or be it at home, there's constant replays. There's constant analysis. They're going back and forward. The VAR, they're showing the replay when it's all going on, all that type of stuff, and it totally changes the way you watch it. So mm. that to oh, me, yeah. is why, that to me, when uh, and that's where I, I've struggled. And that's where I started when I took a step back and I started watching the games in sort of replay. It was the only way that I was sort of removing myself because if I'm watching the game, being totally honest with you, the type of fan I am, I just get really angry. Even if I'm doing really well, I just get really angry, get really wound up. <laughs> if, if the referee gives a decision against us, I'm screaming at the television at the referee. If we score a ridiculous goal, I'm shouting and screaming my head off in terms of what's there. They're like, I've frightened the kids. I've frightened next door neighbours, everything in terms of the roaring and shouting that's going on. So it was probably just for the safety of the whole neighbourhood that I stopped watching the games, to be totally honest with you. Um, I just watched the replay now because I could be a normal human being. But that's that's about it. Well, actually, that leads us in. Yeah, the other thing, Phil, just quickly, the thing about being in the stadium, I think as well, um, there's no distractions. You you you, you submerge mm. yourself in the game. Like modern day, it doesn't matter. Now, everyone has different circumstances. You know, I I, I have to deal sometimes with, with young kids. You know, it's a big distraction. Um, a lot of us do, you know, we're of that age where there's kids knocking around the house and it's difficult to just focus and mm. concentrate on the game but the other thing is you, you I, I know we're all guilty of it like your phone is buzzing every two seconds and you just mm. you can't you, sometimes you just get drawn into either whatsapp conversations or something else when you're in the stadium for me now you are completely in the zone of watching the match and mm. and and, it, and it's hard it's hard to to rival that even if you're in a pub watching it with mates you find mm. yourself having conversations about other mm. stuff and you're missing five or ten minutes at a time do you and, know what i mean and the, the big thing about that is right is you're you're constantly surrounded by agendas when you're when you're plugged in like that so you're mm. like and I'd, i've said to my wife many's the time i should just put my phone in a lockbox for the mm-hmm. game because mm. i go on twitter I, I can go on twitter i can be watching a match thinking we're doing all right mm. here like we're doing okay mm. it's fine and then i'll get onto twitter and someone will go well, we we have been fucking shy for twenty minutes, and better, and I'm all of a sudden get off the phone going. He's right, we have been shy, and I don't know why. I don't know why I've changed my opinion. And then and then the commentators will often have their own spin on games as well. Like I'm convinced sometimes they've decided on the man of the match before the game, you know. And even even again, sorry, on using Arsenal games as an example, but like they were singing Arsenal's praises yesterday on the commentary. They were saying Arsenal dominated possession and they've been exceptional in the second half. And I'm thinking. Because Tottenham have let us, like they've just given us the ball and said, there you go, yeah. boys, knock that yeah. about for an hour and good luck with yourselves. Yeah, and Jamie Carragher's going, he's going, they were excellent, they were excellent, they were excellent. And then he went on to Monday Night Football tonight and he was like, he was going, I lost my mind at Arsenal last night. I thought they were an absolute disgrace. And I was thinking, but they were, they were complimenting him. So you're, you're kind of, you're watching the game, but you kind of fail. You, you don't get the opportunity to form your own opinion of what you're seeing because you've so many kind of streams coming in. And then you've got the lads on WhatsApp. And most of my mates are Liverpool fans. So they're coming in on the WhatsApp, having a laugh and a joke about the game. And I'm all, seri- I'm all serious, you know, 
trying to have a joke with them on the WhatsApp going, ha, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But in reality, like, I'm Feel human. Do you know what I mean? Like, going, Fuck. <laughs> you know, and I'm, Man U fans are all happy on the WhatsApp because of their game against, you know. But it's it's funny, you, you don't get to, you, you so rarely, between kids coming in and out of the room, been plugged into Twitter, WhatsApp, Facebook, you don't get to actually form your own opinion of the game. And actually, when you watch analysis later on or when you watch something and, and somebody goes, watch this clip, you're thinking, I don't remember seeing that in the game. I saw, I saw none of that. Do you know what I mean? And it, I suppose it, it really, it does become a, a choice in terms of how you choose to watch matches. And I think it's something that has to become a very conscious decision or else you do just end up getting sucked in, getting frustrated, getting annoyed. And mm. like it turns you, it can turn you into such a, a nasty piece of work sometimes, you know, when you're watching, like it's amazing what football, I'm very easy going. I, I don't like nothing annoys me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not easily wound up around, you know, I'm, I'm fairly placid. And then I'm watching football and I'm like, I'm like fucking lunatic sometimes. You know what I mean, I mean why yeah. just come in and go, Dave, you know, seriously, there's kids inside. Can you just, can you just calm down, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's something I've been thinking about for a while. And maybe it's something I'll try just, just to see, do you know what I mean? Right. I, 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 yeah, I think if, like, I, I know Andy is a big one for, for saying, for knocking the phone away till half time and only conversing half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, to be with my attempt of just staying away from, I'm actually like you know the old school days when you had only CFAX. And, yeah, um, I, I'm I'm just like yeah, and the radio is just I'm just at the stage where it's just like right if I go with that angle, Grant. When I find out the result, then I won't lose my shit. And I'll just watch the game and see what happens. But come here to me. I, I want to, and it sort of leads back to what we we're talking about. So Ray, your topic is fans back in the stadium. We got to see yeah. two thousand Liverpool fans back in the mm. stadium at the weekend. It was great to see. It's great to see fans back in the stadium. I don't care what anyone says. I still think there's an awful lot of science that would allow fans to be back in. If you look, you take a look at American sports where they've, I think Dallas Cowboys have a twenty six and a half percent of the stadium back in, which is average about twenty seven thousand fans per game mm. over the over the course of the whole NFL season, right? And they they've had no great outbreaks in this within the stadium that they're prepared to uh, put down on writing and that's a dome as well so that's really like sort of pushing it but I like, you take eight uh, the outdoor stadiums that sit in England and you look at a 60,000 seater stadium and you see you see 2,000 fans and you've seen how they were spread out in the cup like mm. it's we this, this is a bit this is normality so the one thing for me um, I'll I'll come back to it, but go on, Ray. You're taking on having the fans back in the stadium. This is your topic, so it's your show. Yeah, I mean, I thought yesterday, um, it, like it was great. Uh, it was great for the for the fans that got in there to kind of get that connection reestablished again with the players and the team and the manager. I I thought yesterday, to be honest, um, <laughs> the biggest buzz. I got yesterday out of that was at the end, I was anticipating Klopp going up there um, and doing, you know, the kind of the, the fist pump and whatnot to the, to the cop. Uh, I was thinking like, you know, cause he, he used to, he used to shy away from it. If there was a, if there was a cameraman kind of hovering around him sort of thing, cause he he was saying like, this is for me and the fans, it's not for, you know, for everyone else sort of thing. But I was fairly confident he'd do it yesterday because obviously mm we've lost that ability to, to do it in recent months and sure enough he did. And, and that was brilliant. I just think, um, I think for us, I, I was, I was quietly confident yesterday that we'd win and I wasn't totally surprised that we won by a big score in the end, because I think this is going to be massive for us. I think it's going to be of the clubs that I think the fans kind of, you know, w w could drive on a team when it was needed. I think we're one of them. And I think it can only be of benefit to Liverpool to have the fans in the stadium. I think 
you know, I think yesterday sort of highlighted that really. But I also think it's interesting now that there is essentially an unlevel playing field out there because obviously mm. there's parts of the, 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 the country that are that are on tier three and therefore they can't have any fans in the stadium. So obviously the Manchester clubs we see in West Brom couldn't have any fans in the stadium. Um and I presume there's going to be like Newcastle, there's going to be a few other a few other teams. So it actually raises the interest and uh, prospect of a bit more potential cry arson really from certain clubs that the that they're being placed at a disadvantage over the next few weeks if the tier three restrictions remain or other other teams get hit with the tier three restrictions. And I and I think there's an element of, of truth to that, but I think it's important for us that you know, whilst we've got fans in the stadium that that we take advantage of it because I think it's a it's a huge it's a huge deal for us and obviously for other I I think the funniest part of this weekend, I don't know if anyone um watched the Chelsea game, but um their their fans were very cute. Um they got they got on the back of one particular player for um yeah, <laughs> who were they? Sorry, who were they play? I forgot who they were playing. Leeds, they Leeds, 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 Leeds. Yeah, they got on the back of a lad who was making. I think he was making his debut. Um, was it Loriente? Another one of the Lorientes. And basically, I don't know. He did something that that pissed them off, and and they started doing this kind of like high, high, yeah, this high. Yeah, woo. <laughs> every time he got the ball, and it was so distracting for the fella. Funny. And it just, it, it was relentless. And it, it was even got, I think Tyler was commentating, Tyler and Alan Smith. And it even got them. It got um, to them. It even got to them. They were laughing when he got the ball. And he eventually got a yellow card as well. So it just proved yeah, yeah. that, um, that you know, the fans can still have an impact here if they, play, you know, if, if they're quite cute about it. Um, mm. We didn't obviously need to descend into that. Um, but I think, you know, if we've got, you know, United at Anfield or, you know, another team, maybe even Spurs, you know, maybe, maybe the crowd can, can get on Harry Kane's back or whatever in, in a week or so's time. Like, I think the crowd can, can definitely still have some kind of influence, even though there's, there's, there's only 2000 fans there. It's going to be really interesting how it develops. Right, I want I want to take that Ray and Dave. I want to go to you because this is interesting and this has always interested me, right? Because for me, I think United have proffered out of the fact that they haven't had fans there because they had quite a toxic atmosphere up until the 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 shutdown happens with, with COVID nineteen. They were really getting on the back of the players. They're getting on the back of Solskjaer, and since then they've had the best run of points of all the teams in the Premier League, right? Mm. I do know that that the Emirates had been like when when at the end of Emery's reign and with the likes of AFTV and all that type of shit that's going on at the moment when things are tough mm. there has been mad toxic atmospheres in the Emirates. Now, from your point of view, do you think that this is going to benefit or not benefit Arteta in his current situation with Arsenal? Now, I, look, I, I haven't expressed an opinion on Arteta. I think he has been overhyped for what he's done. I think he's got a fear about it playing attack in football, which is which is which is strange because his best stuff was at the back end of last season when he ha- played with no fear and play- had let the team off the leash an awful lot in terms of what's there. And I think mm. for whatever reason, he seems to have put the reins or shackles on his own views about how the game should be played. But from your point of view, with the fans being allowed back into the Emirates, do you think this is going to help or hinder Arsenal across the course of the season? We'll, we'll talk about the relegation in a minute, but like just from... I, I, well, to be honest with you, I, I think it probably couldn't have come at a worse time because mm. 
you know, I suppose we, we, we came back in, things were, we were progressing well towards the start of the season and we were kind of, we were kind of outperforming our XG, you know what I mean? Like we, we weren't playing well, but we were winning matches and we've just descended into this run right now whereby the fear was Arteta was inexperienced. Arteta had placed a lot of, ex- uh, Arteta, I think in his inexperience, he's trying to, he's trying to bring through experience on the pitch. You know what I mean? And, and then kind of have that bit of on, on pitch coaching. So we had, he brought in the likes of Willie Ann, David, David Louise is there, Aubameyang, Lacazette. He's trying to keep Jacka, all these guys on the pitch. But I, I think what's been lost in all this is that a lot of these guys are very close to Ozil and Ozil is still on the training ground on a day-to-day basis. And like, guys, I don't know if you lads have all played football or not, right? You, you, you think about it this, these two ways and, and I'll go back to the crowds in a second. You've got, you've got Ozil who's pally and like Ozil's a megastar, like like it or lump it. You know, he's an absolute megastar of world football and he's got all his pals and he's just been cut from the squad completely. So you've got that at play in the background. And then you've got all these kids who probably aspire to become a mess at Ozil. And he just has to have a few words in the area as well. And it just looks like it's, I don't know if it's been torn apart from the inside of players are rebelling against him, but I don't think, I think the experience is really coming back to haunt him. And I don't think the experience of Arteta is coming back to haunt him. I think the inexperience in the club at every level, you know what I mean? I think our chairman's 40. I think Edu's 40. I think Arteta's 30, I don't know, 39 or 41. Like there's nobody in there that can actually just steady the ship as well. So I think, I actually think when the when the fans came back the other night, I thought it was positive because you saw a lot of the youth playing. But then I think when we go and play Burnley on Sunday, I think if it starts to go badly, I think you're going to see this just career off the edge. I really don't think, like Arsenal fans, like I say this, I say this kind of loosely, right? Liverpool have fans, they're genuine fans. And I think the most important thing you can do as a club is keep the fans in the stadium, whatever you need to do. And if I was a, if I was a football club owner, genuinely, I'd give away the tickets for free and I'd get the right people into the right parts of the stadium. And that's 10, 15 points a season on that alone, right? What Arsenal tend to have is customers, right? And they are people who happen to go to the stadium on a Saturday if they're not busy. And we see it all the time. Like you're seeing people playing Sudoku in the stands. You're seeing people... You know, with the, with with a line of six kids beside them in the stands, that's not like people are there. It's 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 a tourist trap. If you go to London, you go to an Arsenal game. Do you know what I mean? And you could be sitting beside anybody. And but I think I think people are going into ballots now. They've been they've been and, I, and and don't forget these guys have been asked to pay the highest price tickets in Europe to go and watch this mm. drivel. You know what I mean? Like so, I, I do think you're entitled. Like. I, I think it's seen as bad support when you boo the team, don't support the team, so on and so forth. But when you can see genuine negligence, and Arteta had a lot of, there was a lot of faith behind Arteta. People were getting behind him. And look, I, I don't know enough to say if he's doing a good or a bad job at the start. I think he did really well to come in, win the FA Cup. But it seems to me that like everything, and, and like, again, we, we get this a lot, you know what I mean? Football fans are treated like they're stupid. And they're not stupid. Like football's a relatively simple game, you know? And they, they'll talk to you about, you don't understand the, you know, the, where they're running, what they're doing, where they're going, but your eyes don't lie to you. You know what I mean? And Arteta was playing genuinely. It wasn't. It wasn't beautiful football, but it was effective football with three at the back. He had Aubameyang coming off the left. He lacked that playing through the center, and he was winning matches against big teams. You know what I mean? And then for some reason, he just flipped on that. He started playing three at the back, or started playing four at the back. He started moving to a different, a different system, and it just it's gone very badly. And and the fans can see that, and it's it's hard not to get frustrated when you're seeing things like that as well, you know. And I'd be interested from your take. I suppose we're emotional, we're involved, we're seeing these matches, and we're we're, we're very irrational about what we're seeing. But from your perspective, I'd be interested to see what Liverpool fans think of what they're seeing at Arsenal and how they would how they would kind of look at it, not being so involved. Dave, you mentioned though to get the right fans in the stadium, right? Is there not an argument though to put the whole AFTV crowd into the stadium so they can <laughs> broadcast during the match? 
it's just embarrassing, isn't it? Like it's off the charts <laughs> now, isn't it? It was actually, uh, do you know what? When them, you know, go back a few years, and I, I thought it was a really good. I thought it was a really good product, to be honest with you. Yeah, I thought, yeah. you know, I thought the lads, you know, Robbie and the, the other lads who are kind of the regulars, you know, they're their own little personalities going. Now mm. it's just, it's it's, it's so, it's so hammed up. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But that's, but, but they make good money. If you look at their numbers, mm. you know what I mean? They've mm. millions of viewers, they've thousands of streams, like, like good news stories don't sell. And what I've seen a lot, and it, look, I suppose, they're they're the the exaggerated version of what you you'll see out there, you know. And what people are learning very quickly, and you see a lot of this now. And Arsenal, Arsenal, or Arsenal, the Arsenal fan base, were a fan base that gets wound up faster than any other fan base in the country. So, all, if, like if, if, we're, if if a reporter is struggling, or if a reporter wants to get their numbers up, you just have to start dropping a few lines about Arsenal in there. You know, a few controversial takes. They don't have to be true. They don't have to like the, the classic is always for the derby. You, you pick your, you, you know, your, your combined 11 and you just name 11 Spurs players and you will go supersonic on your numbers. You'll get dogs abused, but your numbers will go through the roof. And like we, and what annoys me is, is we bite every time. You know what I mean? Like we, we don't learn the lessons and say, right, don't, don't, don't rise to it. Don't do anything. Every time we lose our minds. And the same thing yesterday, the Arsenal, I don't know if you saw it, the Arsenal fan TV have launched Arteta. They're selling Arteta out t-shirts now. Oh, and you've, and you've seen guys, you've seen guys now like with hundreds of thousands of followers, very, very prominent Arsenal supporters retweeting mm. them, going, "What a shower of pricks!" But a guy with five hundred thousand followers has just retweeted them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and mm. I'm not being funny. Like you, you've got your, you have to be careful here. But there's, there's a certain type of fan that follows this. They don't live locally. They don't live in the country, but they they bite on this stuff. And it, it, if you actually go on their website, you should see like they, they've got these. They sell these packages whereby you can come to Emirates, you can meet these guys. They'll bring you to a, a betting shop. They'll put on a bet with you. They'll escort you to the stadium and they'll charge you 300 quid. Like it's, it's madness what's going on. But wow. the sad thing is, is there's a, a mark, there's a market problem, Dave, isn't it? A huge it's, problem. It's, 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 they've torn in, they've, they've nearly single handedly torn like threw a grenade into the fan base seems, seems over the last maybe like Dick was saying maybe four or five years or how long they're going though except what you're saying Robbie's made some huge money there was all the stuff about him getting a Ferrari or a Bentley or whatever or the money he's making but it, like the, the problem you have, have is, is like, there's, there's players that interact with him now over having exactly, a go back over this and that that's, and, that's like, what that, I was going to say just, that's just absolutely crazy you, you, you can't have that you just can't have that Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No contact no commitment no problem yeah, i don't think like, uh, i don't think by the way i don't think um see I, I i just can't i can't believe that um Klopp, for example and, uh, and the management structure at liverpool would allow our players to be interacting in that way not 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 at it's, all it's i think that's a sign of weakness in some respects and the fact and that kind of points to the fact that Arsenal, Arsenal, a bit of a kind of rudderless ship at the moment, really. They, they, they just make so many bad decisions for so many reasons. And I'll give you some examples very quickly. Like something stupid, right? They, they obviously furloughed the fellow who plays Gunnar Soros, right? Mm. 
Mm. And instead of like he, I don't know, he 20 or 30 years service at the club. He, you know, he does a lot of charity work for the club. Instead of just putting out a statement to say he's going to leave the club, let's make an arrangement. Let's make this nice. They, they sack him. And of course, they're in the papers all over the world for sacking their dinosaur. And I'm just thinking like, for fuck's sake, like, are you, how is it always us ends up in the middle of this shite? Like, and like we, we signed Saliba for 30 million. You know what I mean? He, he won't have kicked the ball for us for two years. And he's one, of, he's one of the best talents in world football at that age, apparently. And he won't have kicked the ball in anger for Arsenal for two years. And yet it's a mystery. If they'd have come out and said, look, his parents have both passed away. He's struggling with homesickness. We're going to send him home. All right, fair enough. All we know at the moment is he hasn't played. And and like Guendouzi's been sent to Germany because we can't, like is a manager not paid to manage players? But Arteta just seems to have a problem with players and just fucks them out. Like he's got rid of our Ozil. He's got rid of Guendouzi. You know, you're, you're trying to attract the best talent of world football. And yet any of the players looking at Arsenal to go to will be looking at it going, Saliba hasn't kicked the ball in two years. Guendouzi's been sent to Germany. The English lads can't get in except for Saka. Like I'd say, I'd say any of those players, if you gave them their time back again, they'd look at Arsenal and say, look, no thanks. And they just, they just seem to mismanage every situation they come across, which no other club seems to do at the moment. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know where it ends, you know. Did they not encase Gunnosaurus in, in amber for when they can re- <laughs> regenerate <laughs> Jurassic like, Park? The, the messaging was so bad was that like it was that they they got rid of the actual mascot and that was never the case. But again, just because you can't you can't foresee that simple that simple message being being miscommunicated and been t- been taken out of proportion that you end up in this mess, you know. And it's just it's a sign. It's just a sign. I, and I, got, I just just another quick one. Like, did you see the Aubameyang interview pre pre North London derby that that oh. the club like somebody in the club recorded and released it? And I'm not even joking with you. Like after I saw it, I just went, oh my god! Like he he sat he sat with his hands just down slumped hat hat covering his face, and he was like, yeah, like, I can't. I can't, I can't wait for the derby and it's, it's all about the players and I was thinking oh my fucking Jesus who saw this and said let's let's put that out there lads because it was the most and go and look for it like if everyone to study in body language go and look for it because it was an absolute disgrace that the club released it like uh, but again you know it's like it's like all these small incidents that just combine and you start to think to yourself and that's why the fans are on Aubameyang's back now because he's our captain he was our captain when we were beaten last week by I forget who even beat us last week Wolves beat us 2-1 and Joe Willock was sent out to talk to the press. So you have a captain, your club captain, your centre forward, 300 grand a week, and they send out a kid that's probably on, I don't even know, 20 or 30 grand a week. If that's your, if that's your club, Jordan Henderson would have come tearing out of the dressing room. He would have stood up in front of the press and he would have said what needed to be said. And I keep saying it like, people are like, well, what do you want them to do? Slaughter the players. And I'm like, well, at this point, you might as well because backing them has done fuck all for you. You know what I mean? So, yeah, when I watch clubs like Liverpool... I can't. I've no, I don't even have anything to compare it with, with Liverpool because it just doesn't happen, you know. And that's just a, again, it's just another sign of a badly run club. Can I just uh, just bring it back to the, the fans in the stadium because uh, we've, yeah. we've, we've lost. <laughs> Sorry, I'm coming, dear. We've lost Gunnar Rex. <laughs> um, but Shane, yeah. yourself, the, having the fans back in. I, I, okay, I'll give you my take. It's great to have fans back in the stadium. For me, it's just great to turn off the fucking shit, fake soundtracks that they're playing over the back of it. That makes no difference. Like, like if ever you play FIFA, you hear the same songs just being played at the same trigger points in the game. And we're starting to get like that at the match. That's the biggest takeaway I have. It's great hearing real songs, different songs, and new songs being taken. And it, it actually improves watching the game of football. Am I right? 
Yeah, of course, yeah, absolutely. And I thought a couple of people said it in the comments, I thought it helped Firmino uh, uh, last mm-hmm. night. The, the fans who were back in the crowd, they got his song going. It seemed to give him a bit of a lift because obviously he has been struggling. But of course, like Klopp alluded to it after when the players came out for the warm-up. Big difference to here. You'll never walk alone again. Huge difference. And players and players and managers just seem to be buzzing. Obviously, going back... Like obviously Davies chat, you said it about Man United. Like certain teams may not uh, be helped by fans coming back in the ground, depending on how results start going or how they start games. I know Andy Young has has always maintained we were one of the sides that would suffer from it most, considering the level we've been playing at and the kind of buzz that's been around the club. So yeah, listen, the sooner the sooner the better, because like you said, that that fake noise show you it's. it's it's actually much better listening to it without any noise. Like that, that Atalanta game was actually an RTE here, and they'd no crowd noise. They hear the players talking and Henderson talking to them, talking about the away game where we won't uh, won't handy to hear the players talking to one another and talking to it was was far more entertaining than listening to FIFA music mm. for uh, for the ninety yeah. minutes. It genuinely, it's it's so much, it's so refreshing. I remember when we watched the the night that we were in um, the the Camden watching the Liverpool play Chelsea, to, the night that we won the league, right? Yeah. And they they didn't put a soundtrack on that night. They let you could just hear whatever it was the twenty five people or whatever that was in the in the stand plus the stewards and whoever was there, and even that. With 50 people or, or 80 people in it, when the goals were scored, there was a natural, I know there was no song, but there was a natural cheer that goes on. And you could feel, mm. and you could hear that audible intake of breath when something's about to happen or something happens on the pitch, like a tackle or a foul or something like that, or people get a few few handbags that goes on in, in terms of the pitch itself. And it's like, you know, that, that sort of drawn a breath in by people to go... <gasps> That uh, that that's the audible sound that you hear in the ping. It's it's a very subtle one. It's not something you get in a computer game, and it's not something you get in these computerized soundtracks. And I think that fundamentally changes the way you view matches. And actually, Dave, I want to go into your topic on this because I think the fans back in stadiums will have a significant impact on what goes on for the second half of this season. So take a look at Sheffield United, who can't buy a goal at the moment, yet their fan base were electric when they came up last year. So the biggest factor that's been missing out of the Sheffield United team, outside the teams probably figuring out a bit their style of play, is they've no fans in there. They don't have that raucous home support. It's a small crowd, but it's a tight ground that really drive that, that team on and get those players to achieve more than they should do with the points that's in that team and in, in the squad and the players that are available to them. The same can be said for the likes of Burnley, the likes of Crystal Palace. You know, th- those are the teams that are going to benefit by getting the fans back. And even Aston Villa, like they had a good run at the when themselves and everything were playing for the the four game league title this year, like they 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 to their discredit have don't have the fans to keep them on, and they could very quickly find themselves in trouble. So I know David, you were sort of saying with a bit a bit of a tongue in cheek about our Arsenal actual relegation candidates, right? But I, I want to take this and just have a look at at at, at the at the league table. It's there. Do, how much do you think? the impact of have, having fans in the ground or not is going to play into how both the Champions League slash European places go and the relegation slash survival places go because there's going to be a lot of um, the the a lot of the interest is going to be based around those two parts of the, ta- uh, the table. Mm. I, I, I think again, I, I do think there's going to be a period of adaptation when the play, when the fans start to come actually into the grounds again. I think, I think, Players are going to have to kind of slowly get used to that again, and I think where we're seeing certain players have blossomed with no with no fans in the stadium. Mm. Um, 
I, I, funnily enough, I actually think goalkeepers probably like not having fans in the stadium either. It gives them a chance to kind of concentrate in their game a little bit more and it kind of keeps the pressure off them. I think there's certain players that have really enjoyed not having fans in the stadium, I think. But you'll probably see it start to even out again. Do you know what I mean? Like players, the likes of, the likes of Sheffield United, the likes of Brighton, players like, well, not Brighton, they're a good side. Jeez, they're all good sides and I look at them playing Arsenal. But I think, I think <laughs> it will just get them closer in games. I think there'll be less big losses. I think it will bring the likes of... Like, Sheffield United only ever want to be in kind of a, a one-goal game. You know, get get in the lead, get in the lead, get your win, or, you know, go one down, but get your draw back again. And, and you know, little draws like that will bring you back up the table again. I think, you know, when, when Anfield refills again, I think Liverpool will go supernova. Like, once Liverpool get over this small run of form, uh, small run of injuries, I think they'll go massive again. Man City, I'm not sure I'm not sure the stadiums is prevalent for them either. You know what I mean? I'm not sure, no. I'm not sure City are... are to their credit, they've they've done well. It, it wouldn't have been as big a loss for them, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it worked out well for United because they were in such bad form. So I'm not sure they were too sad seeing the stadium empty. Man City, I don't think it was a massive. It was ever going to be a massive loss for them. Liverpool, it was like cutting cutting your heart out. You know what I mean? Like that. That's that's the Anfield thing. You know what I mean? Like the fans are literally an eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth man, and that was you know ninety five percent of teams that went Anfield when it was full of you know when it was full of fans were beaten before they'd even walked out, you know? Um, and, and like you said as well, I think the likes of that, now a proper fan base will go back into stadiums and will lift the players, you know, regardless of form, regardless of what's gone before. Like every player, every fan has been through, you know, so much in the last, you know, 10 months or whatever else. And I think it's a chance for you for, I think it's a chance, the FA should probably realise from this and the club should probably realise from this that they weren't giving the fans the credit they deserve. You know, and fans are now they should be firmly seen as part of the product and they should be seen as active contributors towards your points differential at the end of the season. Because, you know, when when they when they kill the atmosphere, you know, it really it really does impair the team. But when they they can lift the team from any situation they're in, like if Arsenal go back into the stadium now, they fans there and the fans choose to try and lift the team then you might see a lift in form. Like the, the quality is there at Arsenal. There's no doubt about the quality of player. It's It just seems to be the mix of the chemistry between them at the moment. Um, but I, I genuinely think you might see you might see teams go on runs that you weren't expecting now either. Like it's going to be such a lift for some of the lower teams just to get fans back in the stadium and a chance to go on a run again. Um, even, even the likes of Everton, they've had a drop as well. I, I know you guys don't want to see Everton, but there's some serious talent in that squad as well. I think I think Everton with a full Goodison Park are going to become a serious kind of move her back up the league as well. You don't know Everton fans like we know Everton fans. There's actually yeah. a greater chance of that Everton team falling miserably through the trap door of the league table when the fans get back in because they're the most moany, disturbed, poisonous ever existed it's it's great you should actually go and visit Everton Twitter it's just obsessed right with how much the world is against them like even down to the, the Lord Mayor of Liverpool now or the former Lord Mayor of Liverpool or whatever he is <laughs> chippy tits as he's now chippy tits <laughs> <laughs> big they're not, they're, they're not, big they're not getting, yeah they're not getting their underwater stadium now at this stage right so like I'm actually I'm, I can't wait to get the Everton fans back in back into the ground because that's only going one way and Carlo is going I back don't know home. they could go either way really I think they, they, they've obviously got you know there's some kind of reasons to be a bit optimistic if you're them like they they get to see Hammers now I guess um, which which I'm sure they'll be excited about Calvert-Lewin is a proper player now they, they get to see a, yeah. a completely different player than who they would have been seeing previously with Calvert-Lewin and they've got a few other little additions right. as well right. 
there's a reason why Calvert Lewin's a different player than he was before. It's because there's no fans in the stadium. Just wait till those fans get back in necessarily. <laughs> They're absolutely. I think, there's a, I, think there's a, I think there's a few different like, like there's a lot of clubs that'd be kind of on a knife edge with the fans. The likes of West Ham, West, yeah. West, West yeah. Ham, Everton. Do you know what I mean? Dead two spring spring to mind that like if it goes well, the first 10, 20 minutes get a goal up, everything is rosy. And if mm. it's not like Everton, for instance, start like a house on fire when the first seven fixtures or whatever it was in all competitions, they haven't won since. Now, if there's fans, if there's fans in Goodison Jordan this run, that's fucking it's bedlam. They like Ray had no more, but as as yeah. Phil said, you can get down rabbit hole. Yeah, Back to Arby, if, if 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 we'd have, I know it was feisty enough, but if if we would have gone there and it'd have been a full house, my God, it would have been an unbelievable atmosphere, mm-hmm. unbelievable. So there's a large knife edge teams, and and uh, like Arsenal could be another one as well if things hadn't gone well. Uh, oh, we're, when, when we're the, the king of knife edge, I'd say hundred percent. So it's listen. It will all depend on how uh, I think it'll all depend on how that teams actually start the games. Uh, okay. The fans so, uh, so Shane, and this this we're going on, on this because of the fans being back in, right? You look at the points differential that exists at the at the bottom of the table, right? And you basically have Arsenal are seven points off the bottom three, okay? And then you've got Leeds who are eight points, and Newcastle who are eight points, and Villa are nine points off the bottom three. That's what we're talking about here. In reality, there's five teams. There's like I don't know how Sheffield United come back. They have one point all season. I don't, I don't think. I, I think it's there's four like, teams down there, isn't there? And I think I don't think anyone else got, has has nothing to worry about as regards relegation. Can the return of the fans make that much of a change? For for if you look at Fulham, Burnley, and West Brom. They're on six points, six points, and seven points, and Sheffield United are on one point. Like I don't think there's there is enough points left in the season, and I know we're only talking, we're only ten games in or whatever, right? For mm-hmm. that bottom five to not be the bottom five come the end of the season, whatever order there's going to be, like there's probably enough scope for Sheffield United you know, to put a run together to get to catch yeah. West Brom and Burnley if the fans get back in, mm-hmm. right? But they're, they're not going to catch a Brighton who are nine already nine points ahead of them. They're not yeah. going to catch. No. They're not going to go near Arsenal, Dave. I know. I know. Like you, you, you probably will, but they'd have to get twelve points to catch up with you, lads. But when you when you take yeah. it down to the realistic tack, that's four wins. The at best, Sheffield United will probably put together six wins to seven wins this season. Like that, yeah, that's no, listen, I, I, I was I always had that kind of opinion when it, things start coming down to the nitty gritty. And it seems like when you get to the end of a season to a relegation battle, people seem to forget that what's after happened in the previous thirty games. Like they expect teams to get four wins from eight games when they've got four wins from thirty all year. Now listen, there's obviously occasions where teams might scrape together yeah. enough and stay. But I think. Sh- I think Sheffield United are gone, and I think it's 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 two from the other. It's two from the other three. Mm. Obviously, obviously Arsenal will be fine, and wh- whoever's in uh, and around that, there's not going to be an issue there. But you only have to look at the, the teams. Like Burnley are in this rut now. Deutsch and the board are kind of at each other's throats, but they're trying to pretend mm. they're not at each other's throats. Sheffield United, uh, the now fans, like you said, Phil, it was obviously a huge thing for them in that small ground, and the place was bouncing when they were up. Teams have kind of found them out again. They're kind of missing your man O'Connell. It's kind of been fairly big for them. And then for some reason, Wilders decided to get into a spot with Jorgen Klopp, which I just can't for the life of me understand how he thought that that was going to work out well for him. I know he kind of tried to back out of it then last week, but again, it's just something that I can't understand. He's bigger things to worry about 
Liverpool was rather than uh, or his bigger things to worry about with himself rather than, than Liverpool. I think West Brom they've certain bits of talent scattered around the squad, but they're not going to. They're just I don't think they're going to have enough, and it'll come down to whether Burnley can kind of what would you say, Phil, agriculturally themselves out of trouble. So uh, yeah, listen, the fans it obviously will help, but like you said. Um, there's probably is enough scope to get enough points together to reel in the four team there because realistically, four of them are shit and one of them is going to stay up. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, put a run together and, and, and pull back in that four team. I suppose it's anyone, it's our own mini league down there. It's great, news, it's great news for Leeds, though, isn't it? Like, if you, if you look at Leeds, and I know they got beat against. Uh, Chelsea at the weekend but like they are so far ahead of what you would consider a relegation team at the moment yeah. I, I actually fans I should be great for them Ray. Just sorry for cutting across your fans should be great for them back at Anna Yeah, it, it should be yeah they will be 100% behind them and even if they they're in such a good place now that even if they have a negative result the fans won't turn on them do you know what I mean they, they could lose a home game against I don't know. They could lose a home game against Burnley and the fans would forgive them for it because they have been a breath of fresh air and I think that they that, that they would be knowledgeable enough to realise that they're probably going to be easily a mid-table side. Mm. And, and I think right now you could argue that they're in a much better position than, than Arsenal are, you know what I mean? Like it'd be a fair thing to say, and I've been, you know, very impressed with them. And and if you're them, you've got a lot to look forward to this season. But, but at least, at least with Leeds, you've got a sense of their style. Do you know what I mean? They have an identity, mm-hmm. they have a style, and they stick to it. Do you know what I mean? Almost probably too, too kind of vermintly, but they they do stick to it. And you can, I, I find you can get you can get with any team once they have a style that suits the players available to them, and once they seem well coached, you know, and Again, for me, and I'm sorry for keep bringing it back to Arsenal. When you watch Arsenal, it's just there's no sense of identity. Like if you were to ask Arteta, "What are we?" If you were to ask Bielsa, "What are they?" He'd be able to tell you two or three key things that you can identify with straight away. You know, and and that's that's a team of I don't know if you'd say average talent, but it's it's certainly not it's certainly not superstar talent or any sort of elite level talent. Maybe other than your man with the funny hair, what's his name, Phillips in midfield, um, mm. and their keeper actually is very good. Phil, I'm sure you've yes. kept an eye on him, yes, but. Um, but they've got such an identity, you know, and, and, and even in, even with their losses, there's positives they can take from most of those games. You know what I mean? And they're, and they're, they're, they're getting close to some very big teams straight away. And, and they're like, they're going to get a serious bounce when that, when that um, stadium fills, when Ellen road can be filled again, my God, that place is going to absolutely mm-hmm. bounce down the road, you know? And, and I suppose the reason I kind of had said about, you know, our Arsenal serious relegation candidates, and it's not, it's, you know, I suppose the first thing that's said is, is that, look, you know, let's be honest, they're not really going to get relegated. And look, they're not. And you're obviously going to have me on here in a few months go, well, Dave. <laughs> but like, Somebody said, but did you just, did you see the bit, did you see BT's advertisement for the, the big, the, the, their television December. games? It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a big December for the relegation teams and they've Arsenal's fixtures in it for, the, for, Arsenal, <laughs> for, the, for December. Said, I have it here. December will be a huge one for teams at the bottom of the league. And then they have Arsenal, Burnley, Fulham, Brighton, yeah, Brighton, yeah. Sheffield United, Brighton, Arsenal, Burnley, Sheffield United. Yeah. We're, we're in there. But like, in all seriousness, like Arsenal, Arsenal are trending very poorly from the end of last season going into this season. They're trending so badly. And even if you look, I was looking at some of the stats there. Like when when Arsenal went in at halftime, like genuinely, like I, I know when you're losing halftime, you're kind of thinking, oh, well, you know, we're done for here. But secretly, you're thinking like, well, if we can get one back early, you know, we've a chance. And one of the one of the one of the 
journalist came out with a stat that said Arsenal have had the lowest number of attempts in the second half of games out of all 92 teams in the Football League. They've the least amount of attempts in the second half of matches. Like that's, that doesn't happen by accident. Do you know what I mean? And then if you look at the form table over the last six games, they're, they're, only, they're 19th behind Sheffield United. They've only four points from six games. Sheffield United have six losses. Everton, West Brom, Burnley, all ahead of Arsenal on the form table. Then you're looking at goals. They've 10 goals, which puts them 17th in the Premier League. They've got 32 shots on target, puts them 18th in the Premier League. And the chances created is 65, which is 20th in the Premier League. Like statistically, they're an abomination. Like more it's, points it's in like, the Europa League than the league, haven't they? Yeah, and like it's yeah. it's it's all these like you can lose matches, you can play well and lose matches. And I suppose Leeds are probably the team that you could point to and say they're actually playing very well, they're showing good form, they're just losing some matches. But Arsenal, you never get that sense. And actually, Arteta's Arteta's record is now, I, I believe, is poorer over his first forty six games than it was under Emery. And and people are impressed with Arteta because he talks about non negotiables and principles, and you know, and and I understand you have to clear out. You have to clear out the bad culture within a club and somebody needs to be the person that does that. But at the same time, you're thinking, right, he sent Ozil away for being a bold boy. He sent Guendouzi away for being a bold boy. But then Willian fucks off to Dubai and can't train for a week because he has media duties and he puts him straight back into the squad. Well, so he's played, to, Dave, at the start from. So what happened there? Like, it's interesting. He played Ozil when he first came in. He played it well. There's talk of China, you know. There's talk that like China, China had a had a word of the club over his his anti kind of. I, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. There, there was some issues in China, and he he tweeted about it. And again, like that's fine. And like if they want to castigate him for that, that's fine. And let him let him be kind of you know higher than high and, and use his use his social media presence to call out injustices in the world. But he's he's one of Erdogan's best mates. Do you know what I mean? And mm. Erdogan is you know he's the, he's the Turkish fucking president, but he, like. You know, if, if you research him and his views on homosexuality and, and, and genetic fucking, you know, cleans, ethnic cleansing and all those things as well. Like you can't you can't be calling out certain regimes for their behaviors and yet be be friends. And like this guy was, I think, best man at his wedding. You know, like you can't pick and choose your battles. You're either somebody who crusades for people or, or doesn't, you know. But I mean, I, I don't know if there was talk in China. There's there's obviously something's happened behind the behind the scenes there as well. But let's be honest, like. We were poor when he was in the squad. He hadn't been doing anything for two seasons either. So I'm not I'm not sad to see him gone. I'm sad they couldn't negotiate a deal that just got him somewhere else. You, you know, and that's the pity because he hangs around like a bad smell now. And I, and I firmly believe he's doing damage. Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No contact, no commitment, no problem. Well, to be fair, I thought I'm hanging around like a bad smell. It's my topic is Harry Kane. Right? <laughs> I, I think this fella is a danger, right? And I, I genuinely mean it, right? Like from from everything that goes on, but he's not just a danger, he's also a symbol of little England, which which is which is impressively coming through in his is is dangerous play that's being carried out at the moment. Looking at Harry Kane and what he's doing at this moment in time is disgusting. 
Um, if it was a foreign player that was doing it, they would be go, there would be a witch hunt in the English media as a stance, right? They they would mm-hmm. literally call them all the names under the sun. We saw what they did with Diego Costa. We saw what they did with Suarez when he was there because of his his biting instances and everything else that was going on. Costa's um, snidery and everything that's like that, that's there. You know those snide foreigners coming in ruining their game. Harry Kane is danger. And is a dangerous player, and not just because he scores goals. That has nothing to do with it. He is backing into players when they're in midair. If this was a different sport, he'd be sent off every time he carries out that challenge. He's looking at what he's doing. It's a premeditated attack on another player on a pitch. If he did that in a city centre on a Saturday night when people are out drinking and having a laugh on 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 the streets or whatever, he will be done for actual bodily harm or attempted bodily harm in terms of what's going on. It's unacceptable. And the referees are looking at this fella doing it, and they are not blowing the whistle. So there's only one way to deal with this. And the only way to deal with this is that teams need to start training their defenders and midfields to prepare for it. And when they do, they need to come down on Harry Kane, and they need to put the full weight of their body through Harry Kane's back and his head and his neck until Harry Kane learns that what he does at this moment in time is going to end up crippling somebody. And if he doesn't get... If, if, he, get, if he continues on with this, he's going to end up crippled because... The landing that took place with was a Gabriel Gabriel who was playing for yeah. Arsenal at the weekend. That was close to being a, yeah, yeah. a a driven tackle into the ground. We've seen that being taken out of rugby. We saw the same thing happen in the NFL when it comes to what goes on. That is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous play. And Mourinho will not come out and 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 hold him up for this, right? And instead, what they'll do is, and this is why I say it's a symbol of Little England, and, and I'll stand behind it, right? The English media and say Harry Kane is not that type of player and he won't do that type of thing. The same way Harry Kane wasn't that type of player and never dies. The same way Harry Kane claimed the goal that he never got a head on and swore on his daughter's life. This is what the English media will do because he's the captain of England and he's the symbol of the English football team. And he's generally the symbol of all the little England issues that go on as well the, in terms of wearing the tree lines and their and defending the church, the, the statues of Churchill and all those other lads that knock around England, right? So what they need to do is remove Harry Kane from football. Just remove him. He needs to get a ban. And if if that was another, if that was a Suarez or a Costa, he'd be banned. He'd get an eight-game ban. And when they came back, he wouldn't do it again because if he did, he'd be kicked out of English football as, as they tried to do with other players. Alan Shearer was, was, the, was the previous version of Harry Kane when he was named players in the head and continually getting away with the type of behaviour that he went on with. Um, and ultimately, unless the FA steps in and does it, Harry Kane is going to break somebody's back or break somebody's shoulder or break somebody's neck. And when that happens, there still won't be an outcry because he's the t- Do you know what? Harry Kane is not that type of player. And that sentence needs to be removed from football forever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the, the video clips today on, on Twitter. It was obviously pointed out and retweeted numerous times with people's kind of condemnation of it. Like... Uh, it's something that I hadn't picked up, you know, uh, maybe I don't watch the games close enough. And um, looking at it today, it, it seems completely blatant what he's doing, you know, in terms mm. of backing into into players, being very snide, snide about it. Uh, uh, and it's obviously getting picked up now by a few a few fans. Um, I didn't really have him down as a, as a particularly dirty player until the last couple of days but maybe maybe there is something in it I don't know that's why I was saying a bit earlier about the fans you know if, if there's going to be a set of fans now who might get onto this it's going to be it's going to be Liverpool fans when they play at Anfield uh, next Wednesday I think it is so it'll, it'll be it'll be good if our players if, sorry if our fans do do kind of look out for this and, and, and sort of highlight it uh, throughout the game because um, 
like there's no there's no there's no place for that for me like it it's it's completely out of order but if you mm. watch Kane he's a snide fucker because the way he backs in is he always seems to end up in a mess on the floor as well so yeah. in reality it looks like two people have come together yeah. and he's as bad as your man when mm. in reality he's very he's he's in a very safe space he knows exactly when he's taking you out and then you fall onto him onto so him he, yeah. Sure, he got a penalty. Who did he get a penalty against for the same for the same act? Um, it was a bright, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that shows the real kind of mark of a man. You know what I mean? He doesn't even back in and kind of and 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 show himself for what he is. He 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 exits at the last minute, and he knows mm. his exit's coming because it's fucking landing from six foot above him. But mm. like, if you if you watch those videos, they're actually they're actually quite hard to watch because when you're watching somebody come from that height. Like it's it's on a razor blade as to whether they're going to fall directly onto their neck or fall away mm. at the sideline. There's a good mm. company. Company lamps them on the way down. Um, I think it was last season. Company was the only one who kind of saw it coming and slapped the back of the head off. But um, I think I think as players become more aware of it, you know, they they learn the kind of dark arts against them as well. But it's 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 despicable behaviour. Like. I, I, Shane, we've all played when we played ball. We played with, with, with lads who are great at the dark arts in terms of what it is. But the, my favorite was the was the defensive players who were aware of this type of behavior and could deliver something a lot more dangerous than Harry Kane was trying to deliver himself. Look, look Phil, it's like we we both played in goal. We were we were we were always trained. You come out and you lift that knee up. So if your man comes yeah. in, he, he goes straight into your knee and he won't come in again. Now we've said that back scope. But the thing about it is, is he's getting fouled for it. Right, so mm. if you're if you're a defender, and you you see him backing in, and you 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 have to go and challenge for the ball, like you, you'd be you'd be shot by your own manager if you if you're waiting for it to come down. You have to go and challenge for the ball. Now, mm. if, if if you're going up and in, in that split second you can say to yourself, "I'm going to go up here," he's probably going to back into me and jump down, get a free kick anyway. Well, then put the knee into the spine. I put mm. the knee, put, go up with your knee. Into him with the, with the spine, you're trying to win the header, and the knee is there. Now, what, look, I, I'm just I'm just saying to you, like people will say, well, you, you can't be saying that, or you can't condone that, or anything like that. What he's doing is premeditated to try and win a free kick. Now, mm. he can he will he will probably turn around and say, oh, I'm not trying to hurt somebody. Well, that's neither here nor there. If you if someone is up in the air, you're on the ground, you're backing into him, knocking his leg sideways when he's up in the air. That's dangerous mm. play, right? So. If someone is going to go up, I'm going to go up and try and win a header and I'm going to use my knees for leverage and it's going to go into your back. And see, see, does he see, does he keep doing it? Like uh, Dave said, company was the only one to see it coming and he left something on him. I wonder, did he try it again in the same game of company? He probably didn't. It might not happen again, but if it, it, he might have thought twice about it if it was. But it's it's just a general thing you mentioned um, trying to claim the goal or claiming the goal and lo and behold, the FA gave it to him because he swore on his dark light. But he goes down for penalties that if there are other players, yep. like, like we, see it with Mo, we see it with Mo Salah uh, more often than not, look at the has-been games where he, he's gone down easily. But he seems he's the target. Even yesterday in the penalty that Cody was given and, and rescinded, according to a couple of lads being Marseille, Richard Keyes and Andy Gray, that we don't condone uh, not going down without contact, but Liverpool have got an awful lot of soft penalties over the last 18 months. Now, what the fuck has that got to do with the, the Cody instance, that's basically just pushing a certain narrative in the way. And basically, we all know who it's aimed at. It's aimed at Mo Salah. Mo Salah. There's people mm. boy, like, there was the, the, the West Ham penalty earlier on the season. Your man boots him in the foot. He comes through the back of him. He's protecting the ball, boots him in the foot. It's a penalty. I argued, uh, I know Ray and our WhatsApp group was half, maybe half of the lads thought it was a penalty against uh, Brighton 
the one that got given, I thought Robertson swung his foot at it a full swing. I can understand totally why it's given. Other lads didn't, but it's it's the it's the, mm. it's the same thing. He got kicked. He went down. There was not there was nothing about Welbeck being a diver or anything like that. Every so, every team does it. Yeah. So I just I just think with Kane, like you said, it's gone back to the Alan Shearer days. He volleyed Neil Lennon in the in the face. I think he, he got he might have got sent off that day, but he might have might have got a one game ban rather than a five game ban. Captain of England, able to put the arm around um arm around referees and stuff like that. But in this day and age, I think one thing that will go against them in this day and age, like what Ray flagged up against certain fan bases. Are clocked onto it now. It's 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 been on social media. Will that mm. uh, change referees' perceptions? Mm. And uh, I'll tell you one thing. Maybe you'd be amazed. And again, you'd be amazed that once you draw attention to something, mm. the refs see it. The refs yeah. without there's there's been a thing over the last few weeks about Bellerin and foul throws, and he's getting pulled up every week for it. And don't tell me for a sec they they showed Tottenham. You probably again. Reggie on the one, didn't he? Reggie yeah, on the yeah, yeah, yeah. Show the Tottenham nice player lifting yeah, yeah. lifting the right leg right off. But but they they become aware of it subliminally or not, and they start to see these things. And there's a few like I always say the big issue with the referees is always that you know they're school teachers essentially, and they 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 like to fucking dictate. But the big problem is <laughs> they know the rules, they don't know the game, so they they don't understand certain types of contact. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'll never understand that cane foul. And the other big one for me that's that's. You know, and I hate these ones. I don't give a f- if two lads want to burst into each other and two of them come out half dead. Brilliant, you know what I mean? Like fair play. But these ones that are their minimum impact and their maximum damage, and they're the ones that they need to eradicate. And they never do anything. The other big one for me is this little snide shove into the boards. You know, at the back of the ground, and mm-hmm. you've seen some players get seriously injured for that. And again, it's that kind of thing where you can check out at the last minute. You can give them the bump. You can put them into it. But like, you can dislocate a shoulder. You can knock them out. But nobody ever seems to kind of pull them up on it. And it's the same thing with Kane. It just, there seems to be certain things that are just allowed, you know? And I, and I say the same thing about defenders, you know, letting the ball right out of play. They'd be swinging center forwards around the bleeding stadiums. But it seems to be okay as long as the ball goes out of play. But again, if that happened anywhere else in the pitch, it's a free kick immediately. But they just don't seem to want to address certain issues. The way to get Kane is you have to make it look like you're not trying to foul him. So as you come down on top of him, you have to land with your knees. You have to make it look like when the the, the contact lands, as he puts himself underneath you, you come down with your knees. You don't look to land on your back or whatever. You may have to come down with your knees and, and drive yeah. them into the back, right? And normally when players land on somebody, you try to take the weight off. With this way, you put the weight through him. He won't do it again. And if yeah. more players do it to him, he'll either end up injured or he'll just stop doing what he's doing because he'll end up being the one that's in pain. And at this moment in time, all he's trying to do is remove players from a football pitch. And it's it's something that you're not meant to do in the game. I don't care what anyone says. Even it, it, That is not the idea of the game anymore. They, maybe in the 80s when you used to kick players off the pitch and do that type of stuff. But he's not he's not even picking on the best players on the, on, on the team. He's literally going around just trying to take out whatever player is nearest to him. And that's the worst part of, 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 of the type of stuff he's doing. But again, he's never questioned. And it's also taken off that he isn't being as prolific as he has, be, has been at one stage because it's someone who's driving Tottenham on at this moment in time in terms of uh, the, the goals and the stuff that's keeping them co- close to the top of the league. And it'll always be relevant, um, whether they were top or whether they were fifth or sixth or chasing for a top four or whatever it is, because that type of play is when you'll hear all the stuff about the diving and the VAR and all that type of stuff, that type of play is the type of play nobody wants to see. I don't mind, mm. lad pinching and I don't want to do other things but the last time we had this type of danger in a football game was when John Fashno used to go around y- using his elbows as weapons going into challenges mm. 
Like this is what we're talking about. And do you know who was? Do you know who came off the worst of that? And who was the biggest? Who was the biggest impact when? And, to, and it was the only thing that stopped this happening in the game. It was when Gary Mablet, Tottenham Hotspur face, got smashed in. So if, if the Spurs fans are happy to jump on top of what, what Harry Kane is trying to do, then they've they've got very short memories because Gary Mabbitt nearly got killed from a John Fashnew elbow into his face. And that was the last time we had this type of 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 of, of dangerous play yeah, but, going on in the Premier League. But the thing about it is, Phil, you, you, could, you could take a certain amount of it. Well, I certainly could take a certain amount of it if it was given the same coverage across the board, no matter who the player is. But the mm. fact that it's 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 certain, it's picked, like, Salah is a cheap, Kane's intelligent. You know what I mean? It's, uh, great I'll tell you, Salah. Yeah, it's how they sell it. Great play from Sterling. Man, he went down a bit easy there. Do you know what I mean? And that's, listen, that's just me, obviously, alluding the back to Liverpool players, I'm sure. Dave Campbell, Arsenal uh, players, etc. It's just, like, and you've, you like you will see Gary Lineker getting into kind of semi-spots with people going, oh, well, you're biased because it's Liverpool. We're, we're unbiased. Um, all this harsh. It's just, if they, if they did it across the board and they were consistent about when they pull players up and when they don't, mm. but they don't do that, it gets glossed over in a match of the day. The, the one, uh, the what uh, I don't think it was it was pulled up yesterday uh, from the North London derby. The one uh, yesterday wasn't even on match of the day and stuff like that. So that kind of stuff, it just it takes away mm. the integrity of their of their punditry, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway. Mm. You gotta call it out. They gotta call it out for what they see. If they're if they're gonna be uh, if they're gonna be decent pundits, you gotta call out this type of play when you see it. So I go back to it in terms of what it is. Right, we said we take one subject from the viewers and the, in the comments and chats. Uh, my favorite that I've seen so far is lads trees up before December the seventh. Um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I, I'm assuming it's Christmas trees. So are you a pre or post December seventh man? Do you have an issue with people who put the trees up before December the seventh? Mine are still in my attic now. So, uh, yeah, now just know do whatever you like. Do whatever you like. Ray? Tree, yeah, tree went up yesterday. I, I, I was getting a bit of pressure to put it up uh, last weekend, but we get a real tree and I just couldn't see it lasting until, you know, sort of Christmas Christmas Day. I thought it'd be dead by Christmas Day if we got it last weekend. Brown, so, brown in the city on my Christmas dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's up, and I feel I feel better for it now. Actually, good lad. Well, David, I'm Fitz. an Arsenal fan. I'm an Arsenal fan. So any any excuse to get some joy into my house is always gladly accepted. So I went up about two weeks ago. <laughs> wow, one of the early adopters. Of the new, oh, of the new yeah. early COVID Christmas. Probably after Villa, probably after Villa tanked us. I went, right, get this fucking tree. Do <laughs> <laughs> something, take your mind off it. We, I, I, got, I got my daughter to put a tree, the Christmas tree up at the weekend. So it's the best thing. That's what kids are there for, labour. Um, so yeah. <laughs> the tree went up. We put the lights on and we realised lights were floodlights and we had to take the, all the lights back off the tree and put softer lights up on the tree because it was looking ridiculous. There was a Finn Harps, as I said the lads, Finn Harps played Dundalk in the FAI Cup semi-final underneath the Christmas tree on Saturday night. So I was like, no, nope, that has to go. Um, <laughs> the last one, and I think it's an interesting one. We're on 119, we finish at 125. The last one, and I, and I think, and it's one, Dave, that you might interest you in. The success Stephen Gerrard is having in Scotland at the moment looks like it's it's inevitable he's going to be offered a job in England, right? Now, mm. given we don't expect the Liverpool job to be up until up for grabs, say maybe till 2024, which is the end of Klopp's contract to 2025, who 
is he most likely to go to? And f- would Arsenal like to see the likes of Steven Gerrard come in to the club and take over the team manager to turn around and win a league and a cup and do well in the Europa League with Rangers? Jesus. I do, honestly, I think I think he's doing an amazing job. I I I didn't expect it. Um, I I didn't think he was going to be able to kind of see it out. I just thought it was it was a very quick stepping stone to a bigger job in England. But in fairness to him, he's he's seen it out, and he's he appears to be doing an exceptional job. As as to where he'd go in England next, I don't know. Where's like where's it going? Like I suppose from his perspective as a manager, you have to be very careful about these steps. Your your, your stock can be quite high very quickly, and you you know if one misstep and, and it can fall off the edge of a cliff. And he has to manage that very carefully if he's going to go and be a serious candidate for the Liverpool job because that's that's going to be a serious you know you're going to have to be a serious mover and shaker to go in there and follow on from Klopp's in Klopp's footsteps as well. Um, I, I mean. Would you look at the likes of a of a Villa, a Midlands club, a sleeping giant, or do you try and go to the likes of an Arsenal where where you can you can step in there? You know, like I suppose he's used to the two horse race now, isn't he? And you know, I suppose he was coming from the competitive nature of England. He's used to the two horse race in, in in Scotland. Celtic seem to have fallen off a cliff. Whatever's happened there, I do think he'd be right now to kind of see it out at the end of the season. Um, you know, if we can win a trophy or two and then step away, but geez, I'm really not sure where's where's the natural next step for him as well as it really will depend where teams finish towards the end of the season you know he, he could he could step into a, a big club in the midlands um or mid table um but I'm, I'm not sure what do you what do you lads think about where where it could be a newcastle i suppose would be an option oh, as well. people say treat yourself like you need a reason but mcdonald's treats are perfect for every day like bold mccafe iced coffee get any size for a dollar 69 or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. He could go to Leicester after Brendan goes to Arsenal. Yeah. Oh. Brendan to Arsenal as well, that's a... Managerial I wouldn't, many I, wouldn't, I wouldn't write it off. I genuinely wouldn't write it off. He's a good manager, Brendan. I know he was a bit. I know he's a bit derided, kind of for his, his time out in Liverpool. But um, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It genuinely, I, there's a bit of a merry-go-round there, and I think Gerard Gerard's a canny whore, and I think I think he will make the right decision wherever he does decide to go. Um, I've and, and I've, I've, think- I've I've kind of I've, I've kept an eye on him, kind of. Since he went up there, probably more to the fact that I don't overly like Celtic and I like winding our fans up as well. Uh, so I've been, <laughs> I've been kind of, I've been kind of just keeping. I'm, I'm purely for the fact that we know that lazily, rightly or wrongly, are true laziness. He will be strongly linked to the Liverpool job and Klopp goals. So mm-hmm. I've kind of been watching a bit of them to see kind of what they're doing and kind of obviously the four season he gets there, you're trying, he's trying to bed things in and get things uh, the way he wants it. And last season they were going very well. They won the New Year All Firm, and I think they went. They might have went seven points clear. And it was the game that he gave it the big one to the camera, like he had done at Old Trafford a couple of times after mm. the final whistle and stuff like that. And after that game, Rangers went to shit. They fell away. They lost Celtic pissed the league. So to a couple of Celtic fans, I've seen. I said from the start of the season, I said if they keep if if he keeps his counsel. Doesn't get too carried away and keeps his mouth shut. That would this would be the season that I would worry about Rangers if I was a Celtic fan because they're mm. not getting too carried away. 
Um, and that's turns out to be the case. They've got their defensive record is absolutely unbelievable. I think they've only conceded four goals maybe in, in 15 games, or it's, it's something ridiculous. And then more to, on, on to the flip side of going forward, maybe with Liverpool or with, with another side moving to England. I was kind of watching how he was getting on in Europe. And last season, he got them out of the group, but they drew Boyer Leverkusen, which or they were one of the better sides, knocked them out. And this year, a little bit of concern was for this year was they were, they cruised through the group with the kind of other, the lesser teams, but they, they were in with Benfica. And they were 3-1 up and a man up over there and drew 3 all. And they were tuning it up with about 10 minutes to go at home and drew two all. So kind of a little bit of thing, kind of learning curve there, maybe record in Europe to see games out. Um, but he's he's definitely doing a good job. I think they'll win the league this year, whether he stays or his, he feels the stock is high enough to go to a villa or a, or a Newcastle. Um, Newcastle would probably seem like a, a good fit as regards. You can't see Bruce being there for much longer. But... Um, just like I said, I just kind of kept an eye on him because I know I think all Liverpool fans know he'll be strongly linked to the job when Klopp mm. goes, and I just kind of wanted to keep an eye on kind of what way he was doing things and how he was getting on. But I'd like I'd like to see him maybe win a couple of leagues up there and yeah. continuous continuous progression in 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 Europe, maybe a Champions League group stage, perform well and that because long, mm. ultimately if he does end up in the job in Liverpool where maybe some fans want him there, a lot of fans will see him going there. He possibly will get a, a chance at the job. Mm. He's gone into the situation. It will help him at Rangers because you have to win every game up there as well, even because it's a two-horse race, and that will obviously help him. But Europe would be would be one of the areas that I would certainly keep an eye on as regards him and how he kind yeah. of progresses in his managerial I career. I do think it's a trap you can fall into, though, and that's any club is kind of rushing yourself into bringing back a former legend, you know. And like you know, I suppose mm. you know you've Ole, you've Lampard, you've Arteta, you've obviously. Rooney coming back, you have Gerard, you know, and like you know, if one of them becomes a, a hit, you'll have done well, you know, and it just it, it's whatever club took the right gamble. But I think it's it's a trap you can fall into, and to a certain degree, you can ruin your own legacy by coming back and being a bit of a, a shambles as a manager. So I, I I always would think that you know, clubs make these massive appointments on from a very emotional space, and I just think you know, like Liverpool, like any club, should just make sure is he the best candidate at the right time for this job or. Are we giving it to him because he's Steven Gerrard, you know? Because the train the train can come off the tracks quite quickly as well. You know, you're obviously on the crest of a wave, Liverpool, and There's, you tend to make sound decisions. So I, I'd be impre- I'd be interested to see what they do next. There's 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 a thing that people and, and fans sometimes miss, right? That you look at these these players and you look at these managers that come in. If you need to create something, you need a manager that's able to get a team to outperform themselves, right? Mm. If you need to maintain something, you need a manager who can get what's in the squad out of them. And it's the two very different things that that goes on in terms of maintaining and creating. Like when you look at, say, what Klopp has done, he's had to create something more or less from scratch because of the state the club was in after Rogers left. Right? We and and to Rogers' credit, he created something when he went in there. But he does he got a lot of building blocks already in place with Suarez being there, with Sterling being there, and with Storage already being there. So like these things, or sorry, Storage came in when he was there, right? So these things were in place when he came in, and his goal was to get the points out of that squad that was in it, and he did. And the following season, when Suarez left. He got the points that was in that squad. And when you look at him at Leicester, he's gotten the points that are in that squad. Right. So what Arsenal at this moment need is they need a manager who can get more points out of the squad than that than, than is currently in the squad. Because all the managers mm-hmm. that have talked so far have managed to get less points than than should be in the squad for that talent level. 
So when I look at Gerard, I want to see, can he get points out of that team that is equal to the quality level that's in it? Now, it looks like he's going to do that in Scotland, but then again, he has the second biggest budget in terms of the Scottish mm. league. There, he has the second mm. biggest team. So the only thing that's acceptable for Gerard in Scotland is, either to win, is to win the league. Right Now, what's not helping him is that Celtic are having a particularly shit year as well. Right, So oh, I, would, I would prefer to see Stevie managing the Rangers team in a neck-and-neck title race with Celtic to see truly how good he is in the pressure situation, right? And if he does well there, I would then like to see him go to a different proven ground. The idea that you come back to England and manage a Newcastle, you manage a Villa or a Leicester or something like that and get them into the Europa League, which sets you up for a big job, is bollocks. Mm. What sets you up, if you want to be a truly top-level manager, you achieve something, you win trophies, he should go from, if if he's not, if he goes from Rangers, he should be looking to go to a Borussia Dortmund uh, uh, this type of step up in an Ajax, something mm. which is going to get him to a position where he's in a team where he's expected to win and mm. also expected to do well in a Champions League situation. Because what about um, what about if what about if Simeone moves on going to Atletico Madrid somewhere like that? I, I, I honestly, God, right? I'd That'd be amazing, I, wouldn't it? I would have much more respect for him taking that risk and taking that gamble because he'll always get the Newcastle jobs. He'll always yeah, get yeah. the Aston Villa jobs. He'll always get the Leicester gigs. Just look at what Roy Keane got for Youngs. In, in, in fairness to you, I, I hear what you're saying, Phil, um, as regards the neck and neck toilet race. And it, 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 it got away from him last year. Like I said, they got, to, they got very carried away winning that New Year all frame. But, <laughs> One thing I will say is I think the pressure he's under this year to stop Celtic doing the 10 in a row from the club and the range of fans is absolutely yeah. immense in Scotland. And for him to put that block, build the blocks in, it's kind of, a, at this point, sound fairly ridiculous, but it's kind of like the season after Liverpool went so close against City. We started off like a house on for winning what are we 14, 15 wins in a row. Rangers have done something similar this year to put the squeeze on Celtic uh, and Celtic just haven't been able to respond. And the pressure, I would imagine, from uh, the directors, the club, the fans up there to stop Celtic doing the 10 in a row, I'd say is absolutely borderline unbearable. So I would give him some... Listen, I, would be, I wouldn't have him gone from the Rangers job to the Liverpool job. That's just a personal mm. thing for, for me. I'd like him to do another step and stone somewhere. But I have to give him his due. Um, if they do go on, it looks like they will go on and stop Celtic doing that. Uh, I, 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 is it a huge Shane, I honestly think a great job for him to get will be PSG. Because I think he romps, you're going to be given all the money in the world. No, seriously, he gives, he's be given all the money in the world to buy whatever talent he wants, right? To go and he'll win the French League. And he'll have enough talent in the squad. And if he can get that talent out of the squad, he'll get them to at least the quarterfinals or semifinals of the Champions League. And they're just like another Manchester City, um, uh, one of these boy clubs in terms of they, they just spend money. They get oil money and it's thrown oh, in there. And- would you would you not like to see him at a club that's got the Liverpool type model? So you can see how he performs in, under that type of model as opposed to just buying Neymars and Mbappes and all that kind of stuff. Would like would be yeah, like yeah. I think, I think I, but see, Shane, that takes me back. That, yeah. I think we've gone to a different stage in our involvement because I think at this moment in time we're challenging for the top end players that are in that are available in the marketplace. Yeah. Oh, that's and, fair, yeah. 
And that's where it's different for us, right? So whereas if it was five years ago before Klopp comes in, then yes, right? But like you're looking at the Brush of Dortmund model. Dave, when you say that, I'm looking at him in in, in PSG. What he'll have there is he'll have a director of football that he works under who makes the transfers for him and all he does is really get to pick the positions. And if you actually mm-hmm. go back to how that works in Liverpool at the moment, Klopp has an input, but it's ultimately Michael Edwards who is choosing what players they're going to sign. Mm. It's, the, it's the this much vaunted committee, but it's not. It's a director of football with a scouting network that sits there and a system that seems to work at this moment in mm. time with the manager who's bought into that system. So I want to see Gerard if he's ever going to manage Liverpool, to be in that type of system where he isn't defining who he wants to sign, he isn't defining how who the players are, and he's part of the modern European top-end structures, which involves a director of football, a scouting system, and the manager has an input, but he doesn't necessarily pick the players as such. Mm. He'd, be, he'd be all right in Dortmund. I was, I was looking the other day at Dortmund, right? And their front four that finished their last one of the matches previous were born in Sunderland, Leeds, Manchester, and Birmingham. Was their front four, so he'd be all right there. <laughs> he would have played against most of them when he was man- not played, but would have managed most against them when he was bringing Curtis Jones. He would have played against most. He would have played against most of their dads. I know, yeah, yeah, probably. probably. I mean, what? Wasn't it? I mean, what? One of the things you could say about um, Gerard is like he shouldn't. He shouldn't rush into his next job. Do you know what I mean? Like he, mm. he should, he should be quite measured. Like you know, whether he lasts, re- you know, the next three, four years at Rangers. Like he doesn't need the money. He doesn't really. Does he really? You know, I, I, I'm not necessarily sure. He, he needs. Funny. He needs the. He's not. He's, he's. He doesn't strike me as having a big ego. Like he, he strikes me as someone who could potentially just bide his time and wait for the right opportunity to come along. I don't think he's going to, you know, snatch at, at, at something. I, like, I just can't see him going to Newcastle whilst Mike Ashley's there, for example. Like, he's mm. going to look for, he's going to look for the, the, the near perfect situation. Mm. that's fair enough right lads listen thanks for the chat tonight I want to thank all the people for sending in their comments and all that type of stuff and I also want to thank all the listeners and viewers that are out there for getting us to 7,000 subs on YouTube I know, we're, I know Gav is making a big push he's putting in so much effort in the background in terms of getting these shows together content all that type of stuff that's going on um, and like he's he's really driving the whole show and, and the setup together so we got 7,000 subs on the YouTube we want to get to 8,000 and when we get to 8,000 we definitely won't have a giveaway so that's that's uh, everyone out there. Get, get on to your friends, your granny, your auntie. Everyone is digital nowadays because of COVID. Subscribe, like, smash the buttons, the whole lot, everything, right? Um, but big thanks from us all here on the, on, on the trippers for getting us there as, as it is, right? Um, we've got a match tomorrow night against Lego and um, we're sending out the underrights. We couldn't be arsed talking about it. That's just the way it is. Um, and Dave, as an Arsenal fan, thanks for coming on, taking all the abuse from all the lads there, just taking the piss out of you on the Good comments. Lads. The Arsenal fans, right? Uh, we get you back <laughs> on more doing the the the, the premier. Um, Gav does some type of football-y focusy show on, on a Friday evening that to do with the general football war that's out there. Big Shane Clavering, well done for getting on there and, and and telling us everything that's going on in, in Eastern Europe. And then, of course, Ray Dicko Dickinson, all the way up there in the top of the screen. It's beautiful having you on. Thanks again. Um, it is, again, a wonder to have you all in. Thanks, good night, God bless. Get your nana to sign up. That's the end. And remember, don't look back. You're not going that way. 
Summer's coming, Washington, D.C., and so are pesky mosquitoes. Don't let mosquitoes ruin your backyard fun. Call your local True Green experts for True Green Mosquito Defense. This science-based treatment will help control mosquitoes in your yard within 24 hours and keep your family and pets comfortable all season long. Save 50% on your first mosquito service by visiting TrueGreen.com summer or call 877-629-0092. Say goodbye to mosquitoes and hello to the perfect outdoor space for summer. Call True Green green today. Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service, and our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. Sports Social Podcast Network.